G'day and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national radio news program bringing you union news, workers' stories and discussion on social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR and broadcast right around the country on the Community Radio Network. My name's Matt Kunkel. This week on the show, we look at the real price of $1 milk. Much has been made of the move by Woolworths to increase the price of milk, and there is now talk of re-regulating the entire dairy market, setting minimum prices for farmers at the farm gate. Throughout all of this, though, the voices of the workers who process the milk have been absent. We speak with Dave Clements, a worker in the industry for 35 years, and Neil Smith, a lead organiser with the National Union of Workers, about just what issues are facing the workers in the processing industries. We also bring you the story of trouble in the western suburbs of Melbourne, where two local councils are looking to privatise the provision of in-home aged care. Lisa Darman of the Australian Services Union will fill us in on developments there. But first, some union news. In a working-class area of the Bangladeshi capital Dhaka, at least 80 workers have been killed and a further 50 more injured after an explosive fire broke out in a basement of an apartment building. The basement of the building was being improperly used as a warehouse for flammable liquids and gases, creating what authorities have described as a chemical bomb. It took firefighters more than nine hours to bring the fire under control, and it was only luck that prevented this incident from leading to greater loss of life. Investigators have found that a further stockpile of 16 different types of flammable materials were dangerous close to the fire affected area. This incident comes despite promises by authorities to remove such chemicals from commercial and residential areas, after a similar fire in 2010 killed more than 120 people. A 2017 survey of the area suggested that more than 360 similar chemical stores or factories remain in the area, posing the question just how many people must die before action is taken. Police and medical authorities are still sifting through the wreckage, as many people still remain unaccounted for. It was revealed this week that the government has spent more than $800,000 on legal fees defending the politically motivated raids on the AWU officers in 2017. The AWU has brought a legal challenge against the Anti-Union Registered Organisations Commission, set up by the Liberal government to create unreasonable regulatory burdens on unions to try and tie them up in court and use their financial resources to fight largely technical breaches. The raids in 2017 were ostensibly about donations the AWU had made to GetUp more than 10 years prior, but it has since come out that these raids were politically motivated to damage the reputation of unions and of Bill Shorten, who was the union's national secretary at the time of these donations. Much of the controversy has centred on who tipped off the nation's media to the fact that the raids were happening, with most pointing to the Office of Industrial Relations Minister Senator Michaelia Cash. The Registered Organisations Commission has a budget of $7.7 million per year, and this has been a spectacular own goal. Ironically, the case has now cost more than 6% of their whole budget, preventing them from pursuing their anti-union agenda. Senator Cash's personal legal defence for her alleged role has cost more than a quarter of a million dollars, $288,000 to be more accurate. However, this cost has not been paid by the Liberal Party or the Senator herself, but by the taxpayers of Australia. The Senator has repeatedly refused to cooperate with the AFP investigation into the leaks and has done everything possible to avoid being questioned in court by the Australian Workers' Union. The matter remains in court and will bring you more as it unfolds. The International Transport Workers Federation, the ITF, has expressed deep concerns for the crew of a ship currently anchored off BHP's Hay Point Coal Terminal near the regional Queensland city of Mackay. The crew of the bulk carrier have approached the union, claiming that they are without sufficient rations and clean water on board. The crew of the ship also claim not to have been paid, despite their legal hourly rate being as low as US dollars an hour. 
BHP, which has only just recently finished firing the crew of its last Australian flag vessel, is denying the ITF its legal right to access the ship and check on the condition of the crew. The ITF report that the owners of this vessel were also found to have been feeding decayed food to the crew of another vessel moored off Fremantle in 2018. BHP say they have no responsibility for the matter, citing that they only charter the vessel. However, it is BHP's coal that they are transporting, and the ITF say they must step in to assist. The Liberal government over the last few years have allowed large resource companies to remove Australian flagged vessels from coastal trade. As a result, incidents of seafarers facing slave-like conditions and systematic wage theft have increased. Some good news out of Victoria this week, where the Electrical Trades Union and other building unions are celebrating a win against the Westgate Tunnel Consortium. The project is one of the state's largest infrastructure projects, and the employers have been seeking legal avenues to avoid bargaining with the more than 2,000 workers. They have been trying to have the Fair Work Commission endorse a non-union deal that undercuts conditions and seeks to sideline the unions on the worksite. The Fair Work Commission has now rejected this non-union deal twice. Victorian Secretary of the ETU, Troy Gray, has come out hard against the partners, John Holland and CPB, saying that they should be excluded from future tenders for major projects in that state. The decision means that the employers are ineligible to secure what is called a Greenfields Agreement, and they must now bargain with the workers through their unions. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. Down Down Prices Are Down is not just the slogan of a major supermarket, but also the exact reason many dairy farmers are saying they're being forced to walk off the land or sell up to corporate interests. Milk and dairy processors are offering farm gate prices that farmers say don't meet the cost of production. Low retail prices are putting pressure on the supply chain, and climate change and drought are further affecting the farmers. Pressure is built on the supermarket giants to do something, and this week Woolworths increased the price of milk to $1.10 per litre. Coles and Aldi have been criticised by politicians in Canberra for not doing the same, and now Federal Labor is talking about re-regulating the industry, setting minimum prices for farmers. Yet in the middle of all of this, there are the workers who process the milk. Large changes to the industry in the last decade have led to significant industrial issues which have been underreported in the media. We spoke with Dave Clements, who's a dairy worker of 35 years and a delegate with the National Union of Workers, about just what dollar milk has meant for workers and their communities. Dave, for many years the big supermarkets have been competing to sell milk at prices that farmers say are unsustainable. What pressure is this putting on the regional communities that rely on the dairy industry? We're forcing farmers off the land. The small farmer, um, he can't compete. He can't make a living out of uh, what he's doing. It's a way of life in the Western District now that uh, farms are getting bigger and the communities are getting smaller. And many of these communities, in particularly the western districts of Victoria, but elsewhere in the state and around the country, are quite reliant on the dairy industry, aren't they? In some cases, the plant might be the, the biggest employer. I imagine that in these communities, the dairy workers often see the dairy farmers in the streets or at the shops. What's the relationship like between the farmers and the workers? We're supported of, of each other. You know, we, uh, we're battling the supermarkets. We're not battling uh, one another. We just want a fair crack for everyone. If the farmer succeeds, the process worker succeeds, um, everyone's happy. I know farmers personally. I know, I know of um, 
third and fourth generation uh, people that are uh, working in uh, factories. Their parents might be dairy farmers, but because there's not enough uh, work on the uh, on the land for the sons and daughters, uh, they come out and work in the uh, in the dairy factories. Mm, and now we're starting to see the squeeze on both ends. Well, we are. Yeah, yeah. Workers squeezed, um, farmers squeezed. Uh, the only one that wins is the. Uh, is the uh, big two supermarkets at the moment. We've seen some pretty big changes in the last couple of years in the dairy industry and new multinational companies have entered the Australian market. What have these changes meant for workers in the dairy industry? Uh, When it comes to bargaining, everyone looks at the bottom line. If there's money not there, well, it doesn't flow on down the line. So there's a dollar to be made out there, but uh, unfortunately the supermarkets uh, seem to have a monopoly on where it's going. The Labor Party said that they're seeking to re-regulate the dairy industry and that they would set a minimum farm gate price. Do you support this idea? Oh, for sure. The farmer's got to make a dollar to start with. And if they're, uh, if they're happy, we're all happy. There's obviously a very high demand for milk products in Australia. We see in the news all the time about the demand, particularly for powdered milk and baby formula. Is dollar milk actually the entirety of the problem in, in the dairy industry or are there other factors at play as well? I think there's other factors in, at play. Um, at the moment, there's not a lot of uh, money in powdered milk. So you see a lot of powdered milk facilities that are shut down and they turn their milk into uh, the biggest profit margin. And uh, at my particular plant, uh, cheese is the uh, biggest profit mar- margin at the moment. So uh, powdered milk goes on the back burner. Not every facility in the state can do the the ingredients that go into baby formula which is where the big money is so um, cheese is where most of the uh, milk goes at the moment and we've seen in the last couple of years that the actual supply of milk from dairy farmers has reduced as many as you say small farmers walk away from the land has this put pressure on workers in the dairy industry as far as the amount of hours or the amount of work that's available uh, yes, it has, but particularly the casuals. When you've got a, a factory full of full-time workers and some departments shut down, the labour's allocated around to the other areas that are working, uh, and that impacts on the, uh, the casuals. It's a real problem. And Dave, just finally, we've seen over the last couple of years large plant closures and rationalisation in the industry. What do you think that would mean for your community if something was to happen like that where you are? Any, anything that impacts a small country community um, is not good. You know, if farms get taken over by bigger farms, the smaller people in the uh, area will leave and uh, the community suffers as a result. Dave, is there anything that you'd like to say to those people up in Canberra who are looking at this at the moment? Both sides of politics have had a lot to say about the dollar milk issue and Woolworths putting their price up but the others not. Is there anything that you'd like to say to either the big supermarkets or to the people in Canberra? When... Water is dearer than milk. We've got a, we've got a real problem. Uh, the supermarkets have got to take some responsibility, a lot of responsibility for this. Politicians can say things that whether the only person that can change that is the supermarkets. If they decide on a fair price for milk, you know, I buy uh, branded milk on, on principle. I don't buy the, uh, the supermarket dollar a litre milk. I hope other people do the same, and that's the only way you can phase out the uh, dollar a litre milk. All right, Dave Clements, thanks very much for joining us on Stick Together. Thank you very much. That was Dave Clements, a dairy worker of 35 years and an NUW delegate. You're listening to Stick Together, right around the country on the Community Radio Network. 
This week, we're looking at the issues facing workers in the dairy industry. And next up, we spoke with Neil Smith, who's the lead organiser for the dairy industry with the National Union of Workers. Over the past few years, the dairy industry has been in the news quite a bit, and it never seems to be good news for workers. Plant closures, fire sales of farms or dairy processes, and a consolidation by multinational players. Is there something wrong with the dairy industry? Well, it's absolutely, there's something wrong with the dairy industry. It starts, I mean, most of the issue, uh, as far as I see it, is the, the pressure put on on everyone, processes um, that please then the workers and farmers by the big retailers. So Coles, Woolworths and Aldi, they just squeeze the guys that can't afford it. And these low retail prices and farm gate prices have led to many farmers walking away from their farms. Australian milk volumes have been falling over the past two years, and yet we know there's a very big demand for milk and an ever-growing export market for milk products. What's driving this downturn, and what does it mean for dairy workers in these areas? Well, dairy, dairy farmers, obviously, they just, they're not paying enough money. It's not viable. They're, they're kids. It's not worth them. They're just better off going and getting a job. There's, not, there's no reason for... Um, generations to continue because they're, they're not getting enough at the farm gate price, yeah, which is being screwed by the, the big retailers. The, the consumers just do not pay enough for milk or or dairy products, and that's because that's the, the retailers said it. Like it's ludicrous to say that milk is cheaper than water. And last week, the farmers and other stakeholders came together in Canberra to discuss the issues in the dairy industry uh, at the Australian Dairy Conference. Were dairy industry unions invited to participate in that conference? No, not at all. I'm pretty disappointing. I mean, we are, we're a major player in that. And obviously, we want the dairy industry to be the most sustainable thing. It's a, it's, it's a real part of our communities um, right across, especially Victoria. It, it is often the only place where, where these communities have jobs. And for decades and decades, these jobs have historically been really good, secure, well-paid union jobs. The pressure that, that's been put on initially by Murray Goldwyn and Coles that, that, that started it with the dollar litre milk just pushing the prices down. We've seen communities, so, you know, Rochester, Kiwa, have lost fantastic sites that have been around for decades. Um, and, and communities suffer. They, they, there's no way they can't. Indeed, in the north of Victoria, it's safe to say some of these towns only exist because of the dairy plant. Isn't that true? Absolutely, absolutely. We managed to, uh, I think, get some sort of sense in the whole half of the plant together at uh, up at up at Kiwa, which was good. But Rochester was lost. So you know, Kiwa, the population is only a couple of hundred. So they they used to employ 140 people. So obviously, a lot of those people come from that town, and it, and it just obviously helps with school, boarding clubs, and and just that's what a community is. So Labor has indicated that they will investigate re-regulating the dairy industry and setting a minimum price that farmers are paid for their milk. Is that the right point or is that the right intervention by government to make in the dairy industry? Well, well maybe it's more that so maybe it's more that the supermarkets can only make a certain percentage like and, and there has to be a minimum price and the supermarket they can't take the profit because that's they want people to walk into their stores so they, they make milk worthless um, and and push down the price for for farmers. So as you said the dairy industry is there's so much demand for for Australian dairy and Victorian dairy, yet this is going to be the first time, I think, in around 25 years that the, the dairy herb will, in Australia will produce less than 9 billion litres, and that's sad for our generation. Isn't part of the problem here as well that there's been this consolidation in the dairy industry by large multinational companies? So where there was a lot of diverse processes, they're starting to be bought up by big processes, international processes, and we're seeing the farming consolidated into large international holdings as well. Is that posing a problem for industrially for the workers in this sector? 
I think it's it's actually not not quite like that. So the, the way that I look, I look at it. So when we look at our big um, so now you know Saputos and and Fonteras and and bigger the, the bigger players like that, they actually still we manage because we have good agreements. They've been you know historically really good solid agreements. The enterprise agreements look after workers. What's happening is because there's there's so much of a squeeze on smaller dairy dairy companies are starting up paying well below industry standard and it's insecure work um, as well that's and and it's really you know there's some there's some things happening in the dairy industry that we're really concerned about um, and we need we need government to to intervene so if the farm gate price was re-regulated and that would mean the processors can no longer cut prices and save money on the raw materials which you know the milk um and they continue to feel price pressure from the supermarket goliaths. Is there any concern from the union that re-regulating the dairy industry will see the paying conditions of dairy workers come under renewed attack by those existing processes as big businesses seek to maximise their profits? Absolutely, that's a concern with that. Because um, if they can't, if they can't squeeze the farmer, who's next? It's the workers. Um, so that's why it has to be a really, it has to be a really well thought out um, process. There's enough. There's money to be made for everybody. It's just about not being greedy. The big issue is the price consumers are paying for dairy in this country. I mean, the Fair Work Ombudsman did uh, did a study recently, mostly about the horticulture industry and how those people are paid, you know, well below award and stuff like that. And and 90% of the people interviewed out of a thousand people that were were studied said that they were more than happy to pay you know, 50 cents or or a dollar a kilo more for produce. And I'm sure that would be the same with the dairy. Like if farmers are paid something that something that it's worth them producing, well then I'm sure people will pay more. In the union's view, what is it exactly that needs to happen to fix the issues in the dairy industry? We need to have a, a level playing field for everybody because, as I said, some of these um, some of these new players are coming in and effectively not even following the law, which makes it really difficult. But obviously. There needs to be a price increase, so the retailers need to increase the price. It was a really bad decision that was made by Coles and Robin years ago, and that needs to be turned around. Neil Smith, thanks very much for joining us on Stick Together. No, no worries, Matt. Thanks a lot. That was Neil Smith from the NUW finishing that report. You're listening to Stick Together, right around the country on the Community Radio Network. In the western suburbs of Melbourne, the Australian Services Union, which represents local government workers, has been fighting a campaign against privatisation of in-home aged care. While two of the four councils initially considering the move have backed down for now, the remaining two are pushing ahead with plans to outsource these services to private providers. We spoke with Victorian and Tasmanian branch secretary of the ASU, Lisa Darmanin, to find out more. Lisa, can you tell us how we came to this point? About... Twelve months ago, Hobson's Bay and Maribyrnong City Councils determined to look into the provision of community home support packages that they currently deliver to the residents in their municipalities. What this program is, is in-home support for elderly and disabled residents. So it's things like personal care, showers, getting people in and out of bed, taking them shopping, cleaning their houses and enabling people to stay in their homes for as long as possible, particularly as they're ageing. Across these two municipalities, how many elderly and other people do these workers help? So they, these workers deliver tens of thousands of service hours every day across the municipality, and it would be hundreds and hundreds of elderly and disabled um, and vulnerable residents in the two municipalities. 
So we're talking about two councils, Hobson's Bay and Maribyrnong, both of which are in the western suburbs of Melbourne. Are these two councils acting in concert or is this just a happenstance that they're happening at the same time? Well, this is the interesting question because originally when this was first being mooted, there were four councils in the west, so Mooney Valley, Brimbank, Hobson's Bay and Maribyrnong that were working together to form some sort of joint um, approach to market around the delivery of service across the four municipalities. When the ASU found out about this, we initiated some campaigns across the four councils to get them to desist, to go down this path, and Mooney Valley and Brimbank decided to drop out of the process. Maribyrnong and Hobson's Bay stayed, and it's unclear because whilst the requests for tender that are publicly available show that they are completely separate tenders, they have clearly been working together on this to sort of to be more attractive to the market, to provide a greater amount of service hours um, for providers to bid for the work, basically. So they are saying that they are treating them differently um, and the decisions were supposedly council by council. But Hobson's Bay City Council's ordinary council meeting was supposed to be held a week before Maribyrnong, yet they rescheduled the meeting so that both councils made the decision on this tender on the same night. So those council meetings were this week. Can you tell us what happened in those meetings? Both councils um, determined to hold the discussion and decision-making around this in camera, which means that um, all of the public were kicked out of the council rooms and there were, it was not open to public scrutiny. The paperwork and the documentation around the process and the decision was not made available to the ratepayers and the public who attended. So what we know is that uh, Maribyrnong told their staff yesterday that they have determined to subcontract out the services to a not-for-profit provider. Um, the staff were told that early as March their employer will change. Unfortunately, Maribyrnong City Council at the same time has also taken the union to court, to the federal court, to get out of paying redundancy entitlements to our workers who may not want to go to the new employer and we determine that their positions have been made redundant. Council's trying to get out of their obligation to pay that. Some of these workers have been employed by um, council doing this work for more than 20 years. That's another real slap in the face for those members. Um, and Hobson's Bay, um, the members were told yesterday that no outcome had yet been reached. So obviously at Hobson's Bay there is some dissent around the issue and we've been campaigning really hard and vigorously. Um, and there is still some measure of hope for the members at Hobson's Bay, but um, you know we're not optimistic given the way that Maribyrnong has gone. It was reported in the media that the Hobson's Bay Council had an increased surplus in the last financial year. What do you say about the juxtaposition between increased surplus and trying to cut costs like this? Well, I think it's an absolute disgrace. Um, as you say, Hobson's Bay City Council at the meeting on Tuesday night reported an increase to their projected surplus of from $17 million to $23 million. Both councils um, in their last audit by the Victorian Auditor General's office showed that they were in good financial positions and the projected forecast for the next three years showed both of them being able to absolutely meet all their bills and continue to deliver the community services that they currently do. So, you know, all councils have a choice as to where they want to spend their money and a decision to contract out of community care is clearly an indication by the councillors 
that they do not value quality community work and spending ratepayers' money on that. They'd rather spend it elsewhere. And I think that's a real slap in the face and a big uh, message to the people who live in those municipalities about what their councillors care about. And I would urge all of the residents in those areas to think about that when council elections are coming up next year in 2020. And what fears do the union have now for these workers who are facing their jobs being privatised and being effectively handed over to this new provider? Well, I mean, this whole process has treated our members a bit like slaves, trading them from one employer to another. And what we know is that both the private and not-for-profit sector do not provide um, equivalent wages and conditions for workers who do this work. Some employers in this sector pay $10 an hour less for doing the work. There are not always rigorous standards around quality, staff supervision and training, um, the requirement of police checks, and welfare checks and all of the processes that our members have fought for and won over many years by working in organised workplaces like local councils. We also know that over to, in other states and in other countries, um, there's, you know, the South Australia has Ubercare that delivers this work where with 15 minutes notice, the worker can be, um, you know, asked to come and do a job. Massive admin fees that go to the platform that gives them the work. So, you know, whilst Councils are saying, well, Maribyrnong is saying, you know, well, this will be a quality not-for-profit provider and we'll put all these things in the contract. Basically, they become a contract manager and they can't really determine um, what, an what a new employer does to its staff. Um, the workers at Maribyrnong will have their, conditions, their current conditions of employment maintained only until June 2020. After that, it's up for grabs. So we really fear that our members will be forced into... Um, lower wages and insecure work. Most of these people are quite low paid as it is. They are mostly women workers. And, you know, it's a disgrace that at Maribyrnong we've got a Labor-dominated council pushing women workers into insecure work, which is going to absolutely exacerbate the gender pay gap both at work and in retirement. If there are people out there living in Maribyrnong City Council or Hobsons Bay, uh, or even indeed anywhere across the state of Victoria that want to get more involved in protecting council aged care services, how can they get involved? Um, I would urge them to get in touch with the ASU. So get onto our website, which is www.asuvictas.com.au and we've got an aged care campaign page. You can sign up, get on one of our lists and find out what's going on and where we need to campaign next. And I would also encourage your listeners to contact their council and if they are a resident of Maribyrnong um, or Hobsons Bay, I would urge them to contact their all of their councillors, ring them or email them and express their displeasure and alarm at, you know, considering or, you know, having decided to put financial considerations over the considerations of providing quality care and quality jobs to their local communities. Lisa Diamond, and thanks for joining us on Stick Together. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Well, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Stick Together is produced in the Melbourne studios of 3CR with generous financial assistance from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. You can do your bit, though, to keep workers' stories on the air by calling your local community radio station and subscribing today. This show is brought to you right around the country by the Community Radio Network. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can call us on 03 9419 
8377 or emailing us at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook too, just search for Stick Together Program. The podcast of this and other recent episodes can be found online at 3cr.org.au forward slash stick together. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes. Finally, remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there is a union for you. I'm Matt Kunkel. Until next time, stick together.